they would give us like these like little <laughs> pom poms. But it's Phil Collins, so right. that's like what he's gonna do. Yeah. Oh, let me go We're home. Oh, I was singing. Technically, we are at my home, um, but we're we're home. And you know why it's home, Daniel? I, I don't want to get into it. Because home is wherever I'm with you. I can't take this right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the Uncomfortably Christian Podcast. Okay. Uh, hey, <laughs> how you doing, Daniel? I feel uncomfortable now, like with well, you asking me any questions. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. What, what's your What's your favorite color? Uh, my favorite color is fuchsia. Really? I don't know what that looks like. I just know it's a color. It's a fun fun thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. up Fuchsia, there. It's up there with like puce and like magenta mm-hmm. and heather. Wow. <laughs> you have a really deep dive knowledge of colors that I didn't really expect. Like I said, all, I just know the names, don't know what they look like. All in the sort of pinkish purple family, right? Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Huh. Well, this is like learned something new about you. Uh, that voice you hear, listeners, is our is our friend Dr. Dan. Hey. Hey. Um <laughs> We have another guest, back-to-back guest episodes. Mm-hmm. We're we're very popular. Um, these are the only two guests we could get, I think. But um, I was also the live studio audience. Yeah, we for the for the last podcast. Don't let them know how the yeah, sausage don't. is made. They they think we're recording these the, weeks apart. Like, don't pull the curtain back. Yeah, don't pull. Sorry. You're 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 in the treehouse of trust, <laughs> doctor. And uh, don't man, I can't believe you came back to the podcast two weeks later. That's to record right. This live. Yeah. Wow, um, man. I'm very dedicated. Yeah. It's very nice of you to join us. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the pod. Um. You don't have like a Twitter or anything, so it's gonna be hard for people to. I do. Dude. I just haven't checked it in five or six years. Oh, three years. You know three what? Years. What is your? Do you know what your Twitter handle is? Because um, I would love for people just to like tweet at you, yeah. and then in a year, whenever you look at it, you just have like no, ten, yeah, tw- ten not, tweets from yeah, random people. It's, it's off off the radar. I don't know. It's gone dark. Yeah. Hey, if somebody knows what <laughs> what Doctor Dan's Twitter handle is, can find it. Uh, tweet at us at uncomfortably x is that our twitter handle yes uncomfortably x uncomfortably x at uncomfortably x make sure to put the at symbol in there if you don't know how twitter works yeah um but yeah we've been wanting to have uh the doc dan here on the pod for a while it is going to be a little confusing because we have dan and daniel but yeah Yeah. um you know one of them's a doctor and one of them's not so Mm -hmm. i've been to the doctor (laughs) i mean isn't that basically the same thing i know all about your craft (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) He's not that kind of doctor, I don't think. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, we've been wanting to have you on the pod for a while. So, welcome. How Thanks. does it How does it feel to to be on the inside of the podcastle? Uh, it feels really nice. The podcastle, just to peel back the curtain a little more, <laughs> is in the family of pinks and purples. Mm. Uh, the podcastle is, is actually purple. We are surrounded by purple. Well, I mean, we're technically in a room that's purple. Like the podcastle, like yeah. if it's an if it's an out if it's an exterior structure, is not purple, but the interiors. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just that's like if, from, if from these, the outside is a castle that AJ built by in his hand. backyard. Yeah. Brick by brick. Right. Brick by brick. And that's where and I, I wish I'd have included AC, but you know, budget cuts. It's a recession. What are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it still? Is it still? I don't know. I think that's just my excuse for any time yeah. I don't want to spend money on something, is you just say, Oh, it's a recession. <laughs> you just like you're yeah. it's it's a good excuse for anything. Oh man, really want to get my car fixed, but you know, recession. <laughs> um or yeah, I wanted to give uh Want to go get this new thing, but you know, 
recession. recession. Uh, so mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. How are you? Oh, I, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, you. Have you? You're a faithful listener of the podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You pause there with like faithful I mean, may be an overstep. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we define that. Yeah. yeah. I have listened to many episodes of the podcast, which is more than we Prob- could say for most people. Yeah, probably not all. Uh, well, I don't. Definitely not all. Okay. Um, but but multiple. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, does that count? Yeah, I mean that's more than most. I mean, I think okay, my mom would probably fall into that category of like has yeah. listened to some but not all of the podcasts. Yeah, so, right. Um, you know, yeah. if I can't, I mean, I don't even know if my wife has listened to all the podcasts. So yeah, mm. you know, I think I've listened to all the podcasts. Daniel, do you listen to all the podcasts? Uh, I played the fifth. Got it. Debatable. <laughs> Depends on the definition of all. Yeah. <laughs> Depends uh, on the definition of listen and all in podcasts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's getting postmodern in here. Look out. <laughs> Hey, um, you know, before we before we get started, we do need to analyze a song. Yes. Um, Our legal. Team I've forgotten what it was. It was "Home" by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Right. Okay. Let yeah. me go home. Home is home whenever, is I'm, with whenever I'm with you. Yeah, right. Um, and you know. Yes, we all thoroughly love that song. Yeah. Is I, that, I d- fundamentally disagree with it. <laughs> you, you fundamentally disagree with the message. Yeah. Wow. Well, go go on. Here's why. Um, I would presumably sing that to my wife. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she would be the likely candidate for me to say home is sure, wherever yeah, yeah. I'm with I you. mean, right. one can only hope. Uh-huh. We once took a vacation to Italy, and oh. it was the most magnificent week of our lives. And I would love to say that Italy is my home, but it is very much not my home. Dang. This is deep. This is much more actual analysis than we normally do on this podcast. I, I would like love it. to move to Italy. Where we went was like the most beautiful place I have ever been. Where yeah. were you? But it's very Cinque Terre. Oh, man. It is yes. magnificent. But... Where, where, where is that on the geographic? Like, it's on the Ligurian coast. It's okay, on the, for people that aren't like, is um, it on the heel? Is it on? The yeah, where people beach? people who don't know like sure, intricate sure. details sure, sure. of the uh, geography of Italy? Where is it? Yeah, okay, you know where Rome is. <laughs> yeah, okay, just go up the coast north for a while. Which coast? The Ligurian coast. <laughs> There's a well. Is there, is there the east side or the it's west, on the west side? So Rome is on the west. I mean, it, Rome is not on it's, the coast per se, but it's close to the. It's western on the western coast. coast, coast of Italy. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just making so sure. Just we're keep all, going up. Like I know that, but people who are listening to, to this are not going to know. Like, oh, Rome is slightly off center in Italy, and it's closer to the western well, coast than I, it is the eastern. That's why coast. I picked like, Rome. I thought that the Rome would be the one place that people did know in Italy. I think they'll know like north south where it is, but not like east west where it is. They're like, oh, it's oh, in really? the middle. I'm... Okay, well, it's on the west. It's it's on the western side. So, did you know that Chiquitera Rome is... was closer to the? Yeah, I knew that. Uh, hang on, I need to Boom. go to the. I need to go to the audience. Boom. Did you know that Rome was slightly closer to the west coast than it is to the east? coast? Not slightly, or most De- definitively. 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 I know. It, I it's... know it's away from the laces on the boot. There you go. So oh, that's, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, that's why I was saying like closer to the heel or the laces. Sorry, yeah. So so heel. It's it's kind of um it's Achilles tendon yeah. area. Because <laughs> you know Italy looks like a boot. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to do it. I'm very, very deep dive on Italian geography so here for the I think that was a, I think we have successfully avoided copyright infringement. Oh yeah, that song was really about how Italy will never be our true home. <laughs> so unfortunately, Which is sad. I, I'm sad. I mean, yeah, I feel no, that way about real. France. Like, I, I definitely feel that way about. Like, I was in the south of France, like Lyon. Mm. I was like, oh, I'd move here. You mean Lyon? Totally. Yeah, like about Lyon. Yeah, yeah. Is that next to nice. <laughs> Please stop. Is that around Cannes? <laughs> God. What about the man? <laughs> what about not? Um, not? Is that what you're talking about? Not? A, How so, many more can we do? Uh, 
I don't know. I was going to say Paris, but that's like normal. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, no, you should have said Paris in the French. So you should have gone. Is that near Pali? Pali. Yeah. It's nice near Pali. <laughs> Tuscany. Have you ever been to Tuscany? I have. Yeah. Okay. So I recently, sorry, this is not this what podcast the podcast is off is the rails. Oh, do it. But I've recently um, started playing this board game called Viticulture, where you're basically running your own vineyard in Tuscany. I love it. <laughs> Deep and dive. It is the classiest I've ever felt. Like, totally. I've worn a tuxedo totally. before, and I feel classier playing this board game. I'm sorry. Can you re- wait. I've worn a tuxedo before. Yes. This is like, I love how that was like your level class. That is like, my litmus test for whether or not it's classy, but now it's not. Now it's like, do I feel like I'm a vineyard owner in Tuscany? Do I feel like a, a feudal lord in not even, not medieval... Even a vineyard, Italy. a vineyard owner in a board game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just... Guys, if you need help making wine, I know all about it. I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Got Can it. we get him in to make wine? Guys, you don't have the right cards to do this. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Fill an order, got some victory points. That's how it works in real life, What's I think. the name of the game? Viticulture. Viticulture. Yeah, maybe one day we can, can do like a game night. Piece? Oh, my goodness. Cool. Well... They're working on the iOS. We're gonna have okay. trouble if we are gonna have trouble justifying that as a as analysis if we get sued. So, uh, this is my message to Edward Sharp: Please don't sue us. Like, cause that's <laughs> this is gonna be shaky ground. But moving on, we don't have time. <laughs> we mentioned that song like literally for two seconds, and then immediately went on to not to say that like talking about Europe is not. Great. Worthy. I'm totally down you want for a quick that. Quick analysis. My quick analysis of this song is I don't like it. Hot take alert. There you go. Okay, watch. Jeez. What was the name of the guy? Edward Sharp? Edward Sharp of the Magnetic Zero. I really hope he's not listening now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now he's definitely going to sue us. Like, really he wasn't yeah. going to before when I was like, oh, please. And then you're like, oh, I actually kind of hate that song. He's like, well, okay, then. Shots fired. I Listen, can play two can play that game. Art is subjective by nature. So it's getting postmodern in here again. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Daniel, before we get started, I'd like to get a drink. Is that okay? Okay. Um, I allow it. You thank you. Hang on, just one quick second. I'm gonna... Well, I'm actually really impressed at how well the microphones pick that up. Yeah. I, I oh, it. you have your own on your oh, key. Yeah. Okay. Well, excuse me. All right. Jeez. I'm really nervous. I'm gonna spill. Well, please don't spill on the microphone. That would be. Oh. Oh. Oh, and he landed on the table for that oh, nice wow. ringing sound. That was good. <laughs> Oh, but it's it's foaming. Get a quick sip. That's not my fault. This beer's got rabies. Yeah, it's foaming. This beer's got rabies. Nice. <laughs> got a lot of comments coming from the live studio audience today. Mm. Um, I'll be playing nice, the role uh, of those two angry know. Muppets that just sit in the top corner. Wait. What are, do you got? Are we all drinking? No, we're drinking. We're all drinking different beers that are, have the ability to sponsor us. Correct. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of different <laughs> beers that could sponsor us. Yeah, mine's Fanta. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, Daniel, Just I think fancy, we can say where. Can, well, we are actually all drinking beers from different countries. So why don't we talk about the countries? That's what that I was going to say. Yeah. That are drinking yeah. okay. that we're drinking from. So Daniel, yeah. yours is the most obscure country. Okay. Um, not that it is a very obscure country, but it's the most obscure. So yeah. why don't you? Why don't you give us some basic facts about that country? Okay. Um, this country is a beautiful country. Um, it. <laughs> Do you want to name that country, or do you just want to keep talking? Is this Jeopardy? We want to keep the no. I mean, name you can name the country. Like it comes from the Czech Republic, I believe. I don't think it's the only Um, beer made in the Czech Republic. This is the only beer that the Czech Republic produces, is what I have been just told um, by our researchers. 
Um, the Czech Republic is a beautiful country. It is a... Uh, Do you know where it is? It was behind the, the Iron Curtain mm-hmm. once upon a time. And, in Pittsburgh? Uh, yeah, it's in, <laughs> it's in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, and I believe it contains Prague, which yep, yep, people will it does. <laughs> take your stuff when you go there because there's pickpockets, I've heard. Oh. Yeah. Man, wow. That was a nice way to bring that country down. You're just in a you're in very aggressive mood today, Daniel. Just hot takes taking people down. Yeah. Uh, doctor, where where are you at? What you what you got over there? What you got I'm drinking on? a French beer. Oh. <laughs> so that's that's gonna anything you want to add to that or just it's, it's tasty it's it is i mean it's, it's the premier beer of france so, uh, well now you're really i mean you're I getting think, at the slogan so now well you're, you're, i mean you're revealing a little too much i did also want to say that like i was thinking about this and if people go to any to buy beer from france like in the u.s probably the only one they're gonna get the most likely so so there you go. It was free, a free half sponsorship, but it's delicious. I'm drinking uh, a beer from Germany that I'm not actually sure how to pronounce. Um, Doc, do you know fine. German? I'm not very good at German. No. Are you better than my, me at German? Hofbräumunchen. Yeah. There you go. We'll go with that, that sounded so German. That was good. Say it quick. Say it confident. Nobody else knows. Yeah. But it's Bavarian. It's a, yeah, it's Bavarian. It's a Heifelweizen. This is actually like one of my favorite beer makers. Um, ever and it's delicious. Um, so um, I did just mention it, but it's from Bavaria. So I, that's fine. I'll give them a free spot because it's delicious. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, it's a free spot. That's fine. Cool. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking for a beer, um, rewind this and listen to what Doctor Dan said and go with that. Um, yeah. So that being said, um, we are ten minutes into the podcast, and we should probably <laughs> get into something. <laughs> haven't even mentioned what the, the topic, topic is. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is how you do podcasting. Um, anyway, well, we had to open a beer. I mean, we had to talk about a song. We had to talk about Italy. I mean, we talked about France. Yep. Board games. I mean, board games. I mean, we we have covered a lot of ground, I'm yeah. just saying. Um, but we did bring a doctor on the podcast for a reason. And the reason is, uh, you know, the topic today, I think, actually is something that a lot of people don't think about, but that I've been kind of thinking about recently, is what is the role of the kind of academics in the church, or better yet, like what role does it serve in general? Not even the person of the academic, but academics in general. Mm. You know, what what role does learning and education and um, book knowledge, for lack of a better term, play in the Christian life? And because I'm not sure, actually, a lot of people have a good answer for that. Yeah, Doc, I'm not sure you're, I have a good answer for it. But that's why we have a podcast I was is to, say, I... to posit semi. Decent answers. <laughs> from what I've heard from the podcast, answers are not necessarily the uh, nope the no. thing that we have to have. It's more nope. about sort of intriguing questions and conversation. Yeah, right? it's like yeah. the journey versus the exactly. Getting yeah, there. so yeah. that's that's why it's, I agreed. It's we don't have any really yeah. good answers, and so we do the next best thing, which is try to sound smart by asking <laughs> just asking questions. Just yeah, yeah. Always that's that's yeah. A good, yeah. good word to use. Yeah. It's always good to ask, answer a question by asking another question. That's mm. always a good way to sound smart. It's the rabbinical smart. model, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I mean, like, you're, but you're someone who's kind of walked this line a little bit. You're, yeah. you're you know, a person who's involved in the church. Yeah. But who's also, um, you know, you have a PhD in history. I do. Um, 18th century France, right? Kind of. Correct. Okay. On the surface, 18th century France mm-hmm. and 21st century Jacksonville, Florida. Right. Would seem to be like, and are very different places. Pretty and so distant. like, how can that... 
how does that work for you in the church or or does it not like yeah um well specifically i would say it doesn't uh or at least it it hasn't in my experience so far but um but i have tried to get um sort of other things that i've learned along the way you know into the church in different ways so for example i've i've done you know i can speak mostly from experience here just my own experiences but um i've been asked to do a lot of adult sunday school things and usually they're on topics that are kind of related to the tradition of the church that's asking me to do it so for example lutheran churches really want to know about martin luther so i studied a fair amount of martin luther and have been able to as it turns out when you get a phd you study a lot of history well yeah 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 and european history specifically and early modern european history even more specifically so um so i've been able to do that and i guess I've actually asked this question to myself a lot, which is sort of what am I doing <laughs> when I do this? Haven't we all? And, and <laughs> Here we go, 90s, 90s kids uh, yeah. sort of angst. Get ready. When I Because when I think about it, like the easiest answer is just like I'm kind of entertaining, right? I'm, I'm scratching an itch, which is a sort of just personal, um, hey, we we dig this and we'd like to we'd like you to come in and just sort of perform for us a little mm. bit. And I don't think that, you know, that's fine, but I'm not sure how edifying that is. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I'm trying to sort of peel it back a little bit more and say, okay, well, is there something more edifying that I'm doing here? Is, uh, for example, like a historical background, something that really, you know, contributes to the spiritual life of the church? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, do you you think like, is it necessary to have or not necessary, but is it helpful to have some historical background on? Yeah. I mean, I think Daniel, I'll be really interested to hear what you have to say, because I did my bachelor's in history. I'm working on a master's degree in history and I might hopefully go on and get a PhD in history. So I obviously (laughs) seem to think it's um, valuable in some way, shape or form. What I I did sort of um, to drill down on something and we can circle back around um, Daniel, I do want to get your thoughts on like the value of history in the church, but um, just drill down on something that you said was you were talking about how sometimes it seems like you're just kind of coming in to perform. And I thought that was a really interesting sort of take. I didn't really expect that to be the answer of what you kind of saw as your role. But that's to me is really interesting that on the surface, um, if I can read into what you're saying, you're saying basically like, I come in and I teach these classes mostly because people are sort of quasi interested, but I'm not sure if it's actually growing anyone's faith. Right. Correct. And I think that is actually a really interesting question, which is like, where do we get from sort of things that are quote unquote fun or interesting to things that are valuable and edifying? Right. So, I mean, that's Daniel to throw you two really deep questions, but I just, I kind of want to get, well, first, let's get your thoughts on, like, what do you think the role of, like, history is in the church? And then we can kind of circle back to that other point. Um, I mean, that's a very good question to ask the one not history person on the podcast. I did watch Braveheart multiple times. Well, so I'm I mean, qualified to answer all history <laughs> questions from here on out. Um, because we all know that Braveheart is very I mean, accurate. It's right in line with the Gospels for me. So There you go. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of it goes down, goes back to, like, what even is the purpose of history in general? Um, Which might be an insulting question, 
but it's actually something that I've thought about a lot because we've heard the the uh, kind of axiomatic like we want to learn from our past so we won't repeat it, right? But we're constantly repeating our past anyway. <laughs> so what's history about? Is it about learning from our past or is it about transferring cultural um, mm. mores or or cultural principles? Um, does that make sense? Like, is it yeah. is it about like is it more about culture as a whole or is it more practical yeah no that think that's good um well so here's what i'll say so i taught i haven't taught very many sunday i taught one sunday school class and i did a sunday school class on the reformation um and so my answer to that question was kind of both and mm-hmm. um one was i said on the first day of class i said if i there was we're this is also building is also used as a school so there's like an american flag on the wall and I said, if I took that flag down and, like, stomped on it, you'd be ticked off. And I said, why? Not because you have a real, like, soft spot for cotton. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not why. It's because, like, the flag represents things. Yeah. It, it has a heritage to it. Um, you know, there are things that it stands for. So you look at the flag and you don't think cotton and wood. You think... George Washington, founding fathers, you know, World War II, World polyester. War One, yeah, polyester. Um, but you think of these sorts of you know things, and so part history is talking about your past. But in church, very often people don't know the history, and so I find that like to get this analogy, to try to bring this analogy full circle, what it means to be American is not just that you salute a flag, but that that flag represents something greater than mm-hmm. than what it is. And so I hope, like, when I was teaching this class, that by knowing the history of the church in this period, the Reformation specifically where Protestantism got its start, that people would know what it was they were a part of yeah, and therefore would have more appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. That being said, I also was not shy to challenge them on the fixity. And this is, like, one of my favorite definitions of history, but the history is... The job of the historian is to challenge fixity. And it was basically saying that the job of the historian is to make people who think things were always one way to question that and to say, "Mm, I'm not sure it always was. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was sort of my objectives. Um, You know, maybe you have something. um, Yeah. This is like a really big question that I'm not sure we have time to answer fully but i think that you're right in the sense that um history has the the value of providing content that might be relevant to a community so sort of um help with identification Mm -hmm. it's the same reason that you go into your backstory if someone asks you like hey you know who are you you don't say like i'm going to the grocery store tomorrow right you don't talk about your future yeah, yeah, yeah. you talk about your past That's because good. it helps identify you yeah, right? yeah 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 it helps um provide your identity with some sort of you know narrative that being said um i do find that when i give sort of public history talks i.e. when i try to give a, a history talk to a non-academic audience mm-hmm. um my job is more myth busting than mm-hmm. anything else right and so i like that so it's a lot of like okay you know if we sort of look at the past critically um what we find is a lot of the kind of heroic narratives that we might tell ourselves about our past about our community mm-hmm. are problematic in some ways right and we should recognize those things and maybe that gives us a true identity of who we are or maybe it just is 
I don't know, a sort of honest thing to do about people who came before, you know, yeah. people who existed before us. It's a sort of way of treating others, um, specifically dead others, with respect, <laughs> yeah. um, which might not be that valuable. I don't know. I, I think it's valuable. Um, I, I but... do think that there's something to the fact that human beings are, uh, in our nature, we're storytellers. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it, like, it's one of the first things that we started doing when we started writing on cave walls was let's tell a story. Hmm. And that's how we've transmitted kind of kind of what I was trying to get at earlier. That's how we've transmitted kind of our cultural identities is like, this is the story of our people. Yeah. Right. The, the mythos of, of America. This is the story of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, FDR, you know, like this is who we are as a people. Um, but I like what you say about, um, about myth busting because I think the story isn't, it isn't necessarily what we should be hung up on. Like we shouldn't say this has been our story. So this is what our story will continue to be. Um, as opposed to this has been our story. Like let's learn about our story. Let's learn from our story and let's, let's keep going. Let's not just like go back to those, yeah. you know, yeah, I find it helps people. I mean, in general, if we're just going to talk about history, which we are for just the moment, uh, history in general helps people understand where things came in. Yeah. Uh, as one of my professors says, how did this come into the bloodstream? Where did this come from? Yeah. And so um, why are – this is a really easy one. In general, why are Reformed churches like pretty bare? White walls, mm -hmm. pews. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, Like right. if you just kind of walked in, you're like, you might not, you kind of notice it and you go, oh, I guess that's just the flavor of this particular church. Well, no, it's actually got a big historical context to it. Yeah. And I think by knowing that historical context, you're more accurately able to critically examine why you would mm -hmm. do that. So, you know, you say, if it's just, well, we we don't do lights here, you might say, well, that. It's the 21st century. We should do lights. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you use that? But if you know, like, okay, they came out of the Catholic Church and they kind of felt that um, that was distracting or made people worship the images versus the actual creator, like that was their feeling at the time, you might also kind of ask that same question of your time and be able to more critically engage with that. Um, so that's where, I mean, I think history itself comes into play. Yeah. Um, well, but oh, sorry. here, I was going to, I mean, I want to follow that up in a way and get us back onto kind of one of the original questions. Please do. Which was, <laughs> so how much value do you think that endeavor really has? I mean, for example, let's, let's follow your, let's follow your hypothetical out, right? Yeah. So a reformed church, a person comes in the church, totally new, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't know anything about the reformed tradition at all, joins the church, notices, hey, like white walls, that's weird. We should hang some paintings or something. And then you say like, well, here's the deep dive on the history back in the 16th century, yada, yada, <laughs> John Calvin, iconoclasm, yada, yada, right? Like how much, iconoclasm, yada, yada. <laughs> you know, how much does that person go like, Oh, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. That changes entirely my yeah. perception. Or how much does a person go like, yeah, but like, isn't it prettier with paintings? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, I think, well, this is going to be a dodge, but my dodge <laughs> will be, uh, which is most of my answers are a dodge. Uh, but my dodge would be is that, and this is maybe where I'm thinking the role of the academic. And so trying to bring this thing whole, full mm -hmm. circle mm -hmm. is like, can we equip the saints to think critically about that subject. And I think by doing, by giving them the history, they may not think it's important, but at least we've given them the tools with which to understand it. Yeah. So at least they know why 
even yeah. if they don't think it's that important. Um, I mean, you know, I've, I've grew up in, um, well, not grew up in, but I've been a member of, you know, very emergent churches and things like that that have all that, but they don't necessarily think critically about that. Mm. Um, and but also you tend not to have as many PhDs walking around those those yeah. churches and they don't really talk about it. So I wonder if it's, I mean, you know, we we can't change anyone's mind, I don't think, in about current topics, especially historically. Like it's hard to yeah. change people's minds. But that being said, I think there is something to be said for equipping the believer to engage. Can I can I give my like um counterpoint? No, 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 not counterpoint at all. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, I was like, no, I feel no, like no. I'm standing on shaky ground. My kind of um what I the conclusion that I've come to on this question, which I'm not sure is a definitive conclusion or really all that satisfying, but the one that I keep telling myself, which is, um, yeah, okay. So I've been reading a lot of proverbs mm-hmm. lately, just because that's sort of what I've been doing my morning readings on, and um, and right, one of the biggest proverbs right in the beginning, first chapter. I don't know, you fact check me on this, but <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, yeah. right? That's first chapter. The first chapter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think like so. A, that sounds like a thesis it's, statement. It's that repeated, sounds good. It's repeated throughout, uh, but but I think the first statement is is pretty early. Um, and so I've thought about that, and you know the the sort of I don't know the reading of that or the interpretation of that is essentially kind of uh, you know the beginning of wisdom is to understand that like God is God and you are not, mm. right? And um, hey, and I actually think history does that kind of well. Okay, in, in the sense that what it does, or what I keep telling myself that it does, <laughs> is it humbles us because it it takes away what I think is a real temptation for everyone, especially in the twenty first century. Um, to think that the whole world kind of revolves around us, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for us yeah, to get out yeah. of our own experiences, our own, our own worldviews. It's hard for us to, um, to sort of see ourselves as small actually, because we're so connected. We're so, you, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like we Twitter feel, has I mean, made us think we, we are the center of the universe. Essentially. You know, we're right? saying this as we're like on a podcast exactly. right now. Yeah, like, no, totally. We're totally this like is the living. exemplification of that. Like, right? Oh, here's, here's three people that really no one knows about. Exactly. We're going to do a podcast. Like. And well, like our voices, like who cares? Like yeah. nobody. Cares. And our voices can be heard by anyone in the entire planet. You know, yeah. um, so so it's hard for us to remember that we are quite small. Mm-hmm. And history actually does a really good job of that to say that hey, you know what? This religion that you have made a centerpiece of your identity, millions of people for thousands of years before you have been doing this, and sometimes doing this better, and sometimes doing this worse, or sometimes doing this differently. Whatever, right? Like you aren't the only one who gets to claim this thing. Yeah. Right. You ha- you are you are a part of a much larger community and you are but a small drop in that ocean of Christianity. And that's the thing that like I've taken. So whenever I have to give my Martin Luther thing, I give my Martin Luther thing, but I hope that they sort of take out of it like, "Hey, you're not the only Lutheran around here, yeah. right? You, you know." And you're not the you, you weren't the first person to have these ideas. Exactly. Yeah, right. I think I think uh I kind of want to broaden the conversation yeah, a little do bit it, more please beyond do. the scope of history. Because oh, please do. Sorry. I think that, yeah. no, I, I do want to say. it to my place. No, I do say, I want to say, I think that like perfectly sums up what I think the value of history is. Like that's so valuable. But yeah, Daniel, take it, um, take it wider. Yeah, I think the, the, I mean, the caveat here is that because Christianity is kind of old, um, you know, it's at least 2,000 years old. And if, whatever, if you're Diamond, Diamond McCullough, it's 3,000 years old. Yeah. Um, 
history is important in understanding the Christian faith. Um, but I would, I would say that the most obvious um, benefit of, of having an understanding of, of not only history um, in terms of context, but in terms of, in terms of ideology is how do we interpret scripture? Mm. Because anyone can pick up the gospel of John and be like, Oh, I guess Jesus is literally a word, you know, or like anyone can like pick up whatever revelation and be like, Oh man, it's going to suck when that dragon comes out of the ocean, you know? So like, I think it is, it's not going to be a good time. Right. (laughs) But I I think think of uh, more fun things to do. (laughs) I think the, the, for me, the, the most clear, most concise, most concrete, benefit uh to engaging with with faith from an academic standpoint is what what does this faith actually say Mm. Mm -hmm. because i mean how many times does you know does your preacher say well in the original greek it actually means this or like in this original context of this culture like what they're actually doing is this Mm -hmm. yeah i actually um two things one I just imagined CNN doing like a Wolf Blitzer situation room with a dragon coming out of the ocean, which was really funny to me. Um, Blitzer would be the one to do yeah. it, too. Uh, we are coming to you live. It appears that there's some sort of scaly, uh, multi-armed winged object coming out of the Atlantic. We'll be following this closely. 40 crowns and 40 horns. Yeah, we're following it closely. Uh, we're going to our friend live in Florida. Live on the ground, it's, you know, uh, anyway. Obviously, that would just be a big Game of Thrones spot. Yeah. This this situation was sponsored by Game of Thrones. Uh, But also, no, to broaden the question out to not just history, but academia in general, you know, because we said, okay, we kind of gave a good reason why, like, history is important. But, like, why are sciences important? Mm -hmm. Why are um, psychologists important? Like, you know, I think it is really easy to say, oh, theologians and church historians are important. Like, we know why. Um, Theologians, you know, write theology books, and that's why you go to seminaries, read theology books. And church historians, you know, they tell us about our past. But, like, what's the point of um, scientists? But I think, like, what you just said is so important, which is it helps us interpret the Word of God, which is by, you know, bringing in a scientist to look at Genesis narratives really does help us. Like, it really does give us some insight. And when we pull people together and say, okay, you know, how does the history of the church, how have they interpreted this historically? Okay. Theologian, you know, how does the rest of the Bible fit together with creation? It's not, let's not look at this um, text in a vacuum. You know, biblical language, linguists, what is this, what is the sort of genre of this, um, this passage? Mm-hmm. Scientists, like, as I think I've said on this podcast before, there's a myth that, like, all scientists hate religion. It's not true. Like, there are plenty of Christian scientists or indifferent scientists who probably don't care that much. Um, We just don't know about them because they don't write, you know, hot take books. But Mm -hmm. like, there's plenty of people where we can say, okay, if God made the world, which he did, um, hot take, uh, you know, like, what does that, what does that natural world have to tell us about God? And I think like the place of the academic is, coming in, doing a study on something and helping us further understand the world that God has made, who we are in that world, and how we relate to God through that. And I think every academic, no matter what your discipline, can find a way to contribute to that. You know, historically, you can say, this is how we've done it. This is the mistakes we've made and how God has been faithful to carry us through, even though we messed it up and, you know, we 
screwed it up here, and here's a theologian who's going to correct us on some things and keep us within bounds, and here's a scientist who's going to, you know, reveal to us how, you know, oh, look at, you know, how the stars are ordered, or look at how, I mean, I'm not a scientist at all, so I'm, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who's going to kind of com- come in and complement all that? And I think there is something to be said for each discipline brings to it its own way of reading the Bible. Yeah. Just like, um, you know, each nationality or race or time um, can read different things in the Bible that other people can't see. You know, if you're oppressed, um, the texts about oppression really jump out at you. If you're, you know, a 21st century white American, like, you may not really get those verses. They may not really impact you. And so I think there is a space for, this is getting even broader, but just people listening to people of different disciplines and different mm-hmm. cultures and different ideas come in and help us interpret the Word of God for ourselves. So the uh, you asked at the beginning of the podcast, how much does 18th century France get? Uh, you know, how much can I Here use go. it? And usually yeah. the answer is zero, but I'm actually going to use it now. Teed up. You ready? Ball, yeah, the ball has been teed up. I love it. Um, so the theologians that I study um, – would answer this question in a very similar way. And they would say basically, and I, I kind of agree with them, um, that if you take as a premise that God created the world, right, then um, studying the world is a way to study the nature of God, just mm. like how studying a painting tells you something about the artist, mm. right? Studying the world, however you want to do that, if you want to be a geologist or you want to be a climatologist or whatever, right? You're going to learn a little bit about God because you're you're studying his craftsmanship. Yeah. Right? Um, so I think that's actually a kind of convincing thing to say, right? I mean, that's a convincing argument to me. You can get a little bit of, of knowledge about God that you can get a sort of edifying um, element out of physics and geology mm-hmm. and stuff uh, because because you're studying stuff that God has been a part of, right? Um, or, I mean, been a part of. That's We're getting into, like, really big uh, yeah. theological conversations. But, you know, we're, we're studying. Don't hate on us on Twitter. Right. We're, we're studying um, creation. Yeah. You I know? think uh, I think Romans one and two would agree with that, right? Yeah, Kinda, yeah. I mean, what we have discussed, uh, I think, ex- extensively in the past is the natural revelation. Yeah, we've talked about that on mm-hmm. our. We did a like a podcast. I think Calvin says something about that. Mm-hmm. Where, and I I totally agree that when we look at the world, we learn something about God, and that we were meant to inhabit the world and see it. Like it's not that we don't we're not dualistic where we believe that like the creation is evil and only the spiritual is um is holy we believe that like god made the world and he made it good and there's good in it mm. and that god is in the process of redeeming that world it's not um that he's going to destroy it and you know we're all going to go and just float around like no we're it's going to be remade as it's meant to be so yeah i mean i think that's that's a great point i want to go one more one more point here and this is a more directly Protestant question. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, because, okay, so to because we're historians and so <laughs> like to talk about history, um, I did notice that there's a certain, uh, and this may be an intro to another podcast later on, but there used to be like a category called like basically a doctor of the church. And these used to be like categories of people. Now we sort of just have in your most... Um, you know, even in Presbyterianism, 
you have like ruling elders, teaching elders, deacons, and everybody else. And there used to be a lot more categories. And I wonder if maybe we've lost something with not having those categories anymore, where we kind of had a little bit more defined roles. You know, with Doctor of the Church, you had someone who was like, okay, your job is like education. Your job is to edify the body through writing and through teaching and through students, basically. And I wonder if maybe we've we've lost some of that. I don't know if I'm kind of going off to a deep dive here, but that's a. I mean, yeah, I don't even. Really I know guess how the to question is like, are we that. creating? Are we creating a? Are we doing a good job of creating the space? Yeah. To do it because, you know, there used to be like certain categories of which this was recognized, and now we don't have those categories. So, are we creating the right space? Yeah, I think that's actually a really good question. I don't know how to ca- how to uh, define the word we. Um, which I know is kind of a dumb thing to say, but I've been to churches where someone's whole job is Christian ed, like Christian education. Right. They're in charge of the education part of the church. So they're in charge of the curriculum for Sunday school classes. They're in charge of all that stuff. Um, I've been to churches that don't even do classes outside of, you know, Sunday morning sermons, um, and maybe like small groups. So I don't know. I think... I think what there is, though, and we like broad sweeping generalizations on this podcast. (laughs) I think what there is, which like doesn't necessarily answer your question, but it kind of um, is a little tangential, is I think there is an aversion to um, academia, I guess, or to to teaching people things that aren't a sermon. Mm. Um, Three songs and a message. Yeah. Got to have three songs and a message. And I think. I don't know. I think that that it might be worth kind of bringing that back. I don't know. No, I mean, go ahead. you got something loaded. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that I think relevant to this is the conversation about spiritual gifts, right? Because the two, mm. the two oh, yeah. things that come up here... Way to bring the Bible back into it. Nice job. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Brian. Um, <laughs> the two things that come up here are sort of when you talk about the, the function of a person like a doctor of the church or something like that, right? Is um, what is the value for the body... Right. In other words, sort of what does the body receive from a doctor of mm. the church? And then also, like, what is the value for the doctor of the church? Right. 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 And I think spiritual gifts is a good way to think about that because there are lots of spiritual gifts. And we're sort of told that right in scriptures that there are lots of ways to to um, that people are gifted to contribute to the body. Right. Mm. And um, and I think, you know, not to be super convicting of churches or whatever right I'll, I'll make it really broad so that no one feels um you know convict everyone yeah, it's always right. better to just exactly. play with broad brushes that. but like i feel like we do sometimes a kind of poor job of engaging the multiplicity of uh spiritual gifts that are out there right mm, um yeah, that's very true you know and so i think that teaching uh our, our church the church that i'm a part of did this um sort of big congregational spiritual gifts assessment right okay um i'm sure there are like a million of these out there you know Is but it like the online quiz it was quiz ish yeah okay. i'm not sure if it was online or whatever okay. you know but but then um and we sort of and it was actually kind of good because we just it just got us into a conversation about like what people are gifted with and what they should do with their gifts and things you know sure. but um but yeah, in this sort of assessment, teaching was one of them, you know, and um, and it, it sort of came up that like, yeah, usually in churches, the only person who's given the role of teacher is the 
pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe an associate pastor is like a, a pastor of education or something yeah. like that, you know? Um, but that could be closing doors to a lot of people in the congregation that are like gifted teachers. Mm-hmm. And so having the sort of doctor of the church is potentially saying like, hey, let's find another way that we can get gifted teachers in edifying the body. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this toward, you know, our tradition is uh, Presbyterianism. And what we kind of have is what you're saying there is I was like, oh, that's kind of the role that a ruling elder is sort of supposed to fill is like they're not a pastor, everyday teacher. But, you know, Timothy um, says, that, you know, or Paul's letter to Timothy says that it, um, elders should be equipped to teach. They should be able to teach. And I actually think that's something we sometimes overlook, which is um, we tend to think of elders as like, are they good with finances? Like, you know, how are they going to be at overseeing the church? And um, we don't think as much about their ability to teach and to grow the congregation in ways other than just overseeing the finances and like church Mm. discipline. The other thing that that brought up for me was even, I think we actually, I'll differ with you a little bit. I think we have a good category for like people that want to teach. We have a great, we have in general, like depending on your church, depending on your tradition, all the caveats thrown in there in general, like we actually as churches do a real good job with like, Oh, you can stand up in front of people and talk about something with like, some standard of authority, like, you know, you know things and you can equip the body. We know how to do that really well. What we, I don't know that we really know how to do very well is people that aren't gifted in that way. And this has become a much broader conversation, but are not gifted in just teaching, but are gifted spiritually and using them for the edification of the church. Like we have a really good, like, we have three songs on a message down. Like, we've got that. Like, if you go to any church in the world, they know Easy. how to do three. Yeah, I can do that right now. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they can do three songs in a message. Like, they can get, I mean, we have a good spot. Like, oh, you can sing. Like, we know where to plug you. Like, you're going to be on the worship team. Oh, you can teach? Like, we're either going to, you know, have you teach Sunday school. We're going to send you to seminary, and you're going to get a education. You'll become pastor. Like, what we don't really have is, like, apostle. Like, there are apostles. What do those people do? Like, what's their role? Or, like, clearly defined. Um, Now, of course, because we're live on a podcast, I'm blanking on all the spiritual gifts. But um, apostles, prophets, teachers. um, I got got all the talking ones, of course. Um, (laughs) You know, but it, it goes to the point of, like, I know all the teaching ones. But, like, you know, what's that role for someone who's, like, um, to talk about my wife, my wife will not stand up in front of people and talk like she's just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, but where's her role in the church where she can be edifying to the body. Mm-hmm. And even like, you know, to bring this back to our original conversation, not to get too far off. Like maybe we have someone who's really great at, um, doing research or doing really interesting research in science or psychology, but just isn't a good public speaker. Like it's just not what they do. Mm-hmm. Do we have a spot for them in the church? Do we have a place for them? And I, I think that's something that, you know, all churches should be thinking about, constantly questioning, you know? I think it's probably something that churches do question, which is on a broader level, which is just sort of how do we get people involved in the church? Mm-hmm. That's probably the way they frame this question. Yeah. But um, really what's at the heart of it is sort of how do we tap into people's giftedness mm-hmm. and make them edify the body as well? 
right? And there are lots of different ways and lots of different gifts and lots of different sort of things you can you can bring in. Um, I think since we're talking about sort of academics or, or mm-hmm. you know, scholarship or whatever you want to call it, um, the easiest one to talk about is teaching. Yeah. Right. But maybe there are other ways to to get at that, to bring sort of um, academic stuff you know, I mean, intellectual. Let's, let's talk into about the, like psychology. Yeah, like right. Like, why don't good. we have a, a church counselor? Counselor, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, really I think that's. Point. I mean, yeah, I think that's something we. All right. We have to. But yeah, I mean, like I said, we've got we've gotten really good at the the person who's able to get up and talk. I'm going to steer this in a slightly different direction one more time. Um, I do think, though, there is something to be said for as someone who can get up and talk. Um, uh, the people who can get up and talk and having like a really strong group of people who really know what they're talking about. Mm. Um, and that I think is a role that academics really, we need in the church is cause listen, I'm not, not showing shade on anybody, but we've all been to the Sunday school where the guy just plays the video mm-hmm. or sure. just kind of reads the book and doesn't really have mastery of the subject. And so somebody might have a question they're trying to, kind of push back on something, not in an aggressive way, but just trying to uh, gain better understanding understanding or raise an objection. Um, A good one that I could think of would be, I mean, history is one, but even something more important or vital to the church, like um, race relations or something Mm -hmm. like that. Sure. There may be somebody who's kind of read a couple books about it and says, oh, yeah, I'll do something on race relations. And somebody pushes back on you, not not even in an aggressive, like, trying to prove you're wrong, but just trying to raise sort of a counterpoint, a counter, an, an, a different perspective, and they're not necessarily equipped to handle that. And I think that is somewhere where, you know, someone who has been trained, who's gotten their, you know, either master's or their PhD, or spent a long time studying it, even if you don't have official education, has taken on the life of the mind and decided to be academic and read and study and really go in depth, could find a great place in the church and we really need that there are there are times when we need someone to speak with authority is kind of sometimes we get kind yeah. of loosey-goosey where it's all well what's your opinion how do you feel and yeah how does this scripture impact you and at times like that's good we need to kind of self-examine but at other times we really need someone who knows what the heck they're talking about yeah and i guess just to jump in like yeah. I, I guess that the um where the real issue is is that more often than not we tend to think of the person who takes on that role, right? The, the person of authority is always the pastor, mm-hmm. right? You know, on all issues, uh, psychological issues, historical issues, any question you have having to do with anything in the sphere of existence, the <laughs> pastor can answer. And the, frankly, like that's really, um, that's really tough on pastors. Speak I think, all looking, knowing one, your servants looking, are listening. No, looking at people who are in like ministry, right? You, you know, um, I think it's a really difficult position to put you in because we're just, keeping you we're, we're sort of holding you accountable to a bar that that i don't know can't be reached in some ways right they want you to be jesus like be yeah jesus, very like... much so but not just like jesus in the sort of temperament way but jesus in the like all-knowing way they jesus want you to be the, omniscient the perfect counselor the perfect <laughs> yeah, teacher exactly the perfect, right they want you to have all answers and and so you know taking advantages of the giftedness i.e the sort of um the the learnedness of different people in the congregation yeah. is a way to i think effectively diffuse that responsibility that might be really healthy for congregations well it's a lot more realistic too. and it's a lot more realistic yeah because right. pastors know a lot about you know they might know a lot about homiletics but then you ask them yeah. like 
oh, so like, you know, what is this new finding of this third century <laughs> shard of pottery mean for this right yeah they're like, parse this archaeological dig for me please yeah. yeah yeah i actually i mean so i have a kind of a, a a useful example of this we have at our church um a seminary professor who happens to be my seminary professor um but he teaches like sunday school he'll preach but it's so helpful you know to have someone who is a master of the subject or at least very well equipped to answer questions. Because people have, like, we're doing a series, like, how did we get the Bible? Which is what we're doing right now. Ooh. And it's, you know, like, what That's was cool. the process of, of um, canonization and all that stuff? And it's it's so helpful um, on a question like that where people could easily get tripped up or whatever. To have someone who really is also a gifted teacher, who does, who teaches a lot, who's a, who does it for a living... Um, and who's also confident and knows what he's doing to kind of handle that. Because there are certain things where we can kind of do it through group, um, the general will, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, <laughs> we can kind of all just come with our ideas and throw it together and see like, okay, well, we want to do and, you know, we want to kind of change up our service. What do you guys think? But at times there are certain things where we need a, a voice of authority to come in and just say, um, you guys are wrong. Like, or, or this is like, this is what you need to know. Like yeah. Yeah. here's, I've read the book, so you don't have to like, yeah. you know, cause somebody who's got three kids and is working full time and whatever, they have time to read like a Wikipedia article or two. And then they're, yeah, that's watch it. Braveheart. Yeah. They watch Braveheart and there's the, you got your history degree. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I think it is helpful. I mean, I don't know that anyone would argue with that, but it's helpful to have someone who's spent their life doing that. And can come and boil it down to six sessions an hour on Sunday morning versus all of us going and getting an MDiv. Like, yeah, I just yeah. think there's or just assuming that the pastor is going to handle all of that. Yeah. Or, yeah. And even that the sermon is going to handle all that. Right. Like, yeah, that yeah. we have to, yeah, it has right. to be in the sermon. Well, like, and that can be another pitfall is when the sermon turns into like a, like a lecture. A, yeah. Yeah. Like a Socratic, yeah. like seminar on what this, like, obscure greek yeah. word means you know? yeah and this is i think the this is the key place that sunday school fills is like there's a place to talk about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um the sermon isn't it yeah. <laughs> in general uh, the sermon's not not it yeah so but i think that's you know again to bring it full circle where we can see people with their gifts with their talents with using what they have for the edification of the church so it's good stuff yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> hey, um, Doc, thanks for being on the thanks for being on the pod. We'll have to have you back. Yeah. This solid. is a good conversation. Appreciate it. Um, you know, we made it we made a, f a pretty full episode. So mm -hmm. uh Daniel, what's your Twitter handle in case somebody wants to get a hold of you? Yeah, my Twitter handle is at Daniel Davalos. Um so I'm accepting applications for new Twitter followers. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. You you always gotta get <laughs> You know, sometimes you don't have enough. Yeah, I have know. a vetting process. Okay. I screen my followers. How does that work? Um, they click follow, and then I'm happy. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so it's normal. So it's a two-step process. They yeah. find you on Twitter, and then they click follow. Got yeah. it. Hey, it's whatever, 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 whatever works for you. Uh, yeah, I'm at Twitter. I'm I'm on Twitter at aj underscore aldo. Um, yeah. So uh, follow me there on Twitter. Uh, Dr. Dan doesn't have a Twitter, so if you have uh, questions or um, you want to contact Dr. Dan, just tweet at us and we'll, yeah. we'll forward it to him. Yeah, go tweet by way of the uncomfortable Christians. The uncomfortable <laughs> Christians, yeah. And that's our, our Twitter handle is uh, 
at uncomfortably X. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, and uh, we also have a website. Daniel's posted some new um, blogs, articles, things, yeah, thoughts, some, some blog posts. Yeah, he's posted some stuff on there. It's really good. So check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, follow us on Facebook and stuff. We got all we got all that we're hip with it. We're everywhere. Just yeah, you know, follow us on Google Plus, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. YouTube, get our LinkedIn. Do we have? <laughs> how's your How's your MySpace? Oh, oh. It's thriving. Yeah, good. Doing as well as our Hotmail. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke for those of you that are playing at home. If you listened to a episode four weeks ago, like you're you're right there with us. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, be in touch with us. Um, and send us some questions. If you have questions or things that you want us to tackle, yeah. um, we are open to pontificating randomly about anything. Send us um, mail, letters, yeah. questions, Pen pals, stuff, money. Um, money, yeah. If you want to if you want to sponsor us, shelter, man, get in contact. Cars. Yeah. Uh, pens. <laughs> anything else we need? <laughs> Shopping list. We're gonna we're gonna have the like market. you know we're at Publix where you can uh, buy like a bag for needy people. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be in the, we're gonna have just like Audio <laughs> cables and headphones. I was gonna say a headphone, right? Yeah, yeah we're <laughs> headphone down, jack. down a headphone. We're gonna open our. Uh, we're gonna do a, a podcast registry, a gift registry. <laughs> nice one. We're gonna have an Amazon wish list. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Good uh, idea. Okay, well, we're gonna end this podcast now. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, yeah. Bye. Bye.